On this show, we discuss crimes that are often graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. On this half biscuit, we're going to talk about a few psychological problems known as paraphilia. There are a few, some we've discussed in earlier cases. I'm your host, Paulette, and this is Crime Biscuit. This is your first time listening to Crime Biscuit. This is a half biscuit. What that is is a much smaller episode, usually covering some kind of mental disorder. This one might be uncomfortable for some people. If you would prefer, feel free to skip it. My feelings will not be hurt. So in many of the cases I've covered, some of these disorders have popped up. I thought it would be interesting to look into some of them and then tie them back to cases I've covered. First off, what is paraphilia? It's defined as any intense and persistent sexual interest other than an interest in what most of us would consider normal sexual conduct between consenting adults. Certain paraphilic disorders can involve harming or the risk of harming another individual. A paraphilia all by itself, if it doesn't cause harm or hurt, isn't something that typically needs professional help. But some are illegal even if not acted out. For example, I'm sure the first thing that pops into mind is pedophilia. If you possess child pornography, you go to jail, even if you didn't actually touch a child. There is a group that are considered sort of the main ones, if you will, and then there are others that are subsets of the first group. So the main ones, voyeuristic disorder. Yes, we all know what this one is, getting turned on by watching someone undress or shower or have sex with someone else without them knowing it. Exhibitionistic disorder. Think flashing body parts to unsuspecting people. This would be the stereotypical dude in a trench coat. Frederistic disorder, which I probably pronounced wrong. I didn't know what this one was, but it involves getting aroused by touching or rubbing against a non-consenting individual. To me, if someone starts rubbing or touching on you without your permission, they deserve an elbow to the ribs, a fist to the nose, or a knee to the gut. Sexual masochism disorder, we probably all know what this one is. This is a person who gets pleasure from being beaten, humiliated, tied up, or on the receiving end of some other form of abuse. Now, I must assume that they're talking about people who are not otherwise mentally healthy, because there are sane people who get into this with a trusted partner. This one also ties into the next one, which is sexual sadism disorder. This is the person who likes to inflict humiliation, pain, and terror on someone else. Once again, we have to assume that this is at the far end of the spectrum, and this person is not a trusting partner to someone who wants this type of activity inflicted on them. Or could be that either in in either one of these cases, that is someone who is so consumed with these activities that they can't function like an otherwise normal person. Here we could put John Robinson who was the internet's first serial killer. He was an over-the-top, evil man who had his own little slave and master club, but oftentimes he didn't care if his partner was willing or not. Pedophilic disorder, which we are not going to go in any kind of detail because we all know what it means, and I'm sure it makes most of us fairly angry. 
I will say that Albert Fish fell into this category, as he will many of the others. Next up is fetishistic disorder. This is a persistent pattern of sexual arousal involving the use of non-living objects or specific non-genital body parts. Jerry Brudos was one of these. He was known as a lust killer and the shoe fetish slayer. If you've watched the Netflix series Mindhunter, you know which one I'm talking about. In another sense, he was also uh, suffering from fetishistic disorder because he, on one of his victims, he cut her foot off and put it into one of the shoes he had from his own collection for sexual gratification. So the foot is not generally considered a sexual body part. It's more of a fetish body part. So now we come to the other paraphilias, any or all of which could become a paraphilic disorder if the circumstances allow. This is just some of them. Telephone scatologia, or scatologia, recurrent and intense sexual arousal that arises from making obscene phone calls. Joseph James D'Angelo, a.k.a. the Golden State Killer, enjoyed making obscene phone calls as well as threatening ones. Necrophilia, intense sexual arousal involving a dead body. I've covered a few that were into this. Ed Gein, Ed Kemper, Albert Fish, and Jerry Brudos was as well, which I did not cover, but I will, um, because he did have sex with his victims as well once they were deceased. Ted Bundy was also one, because he liked to go back and visit the bodies of his victims, sometimes quite a while after he'd disposed of them. Jeffrey Dahmer would also be one, as well as a paraphilic cannibal. Most necrophiles are male, but there are women as well. There's a lady by the name of Karen Greenlee who drove off in a hearse with the body of a 33-year-old man for a couple days. In an interview with James Morton, Karen says she liked the smell of a freshly embalmed body and that aroused her. She also said that when she was on top of a body, uh, blood tended to ooze out of eyes and other body parts and she liked that as well. Karen claims to have had encounters with up to 40 deceased male bodies. She worked as a mortician. She also says that it is much more common than people think. Now, not all necrophiles are killers. Think Karen in the bodies at the morgue, or Ed Gein, who he did kill someone, but prior to that, he would dig up bodies. Then there are those who are the reason the deceased person is deceased. Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, Ed Kemper. They would generally sexually assault the victim before death and then again after. The next one is called partialism. This was sexual arousal involving the body part of another person that is not usually associated with erotic areas. For example, a leg, a foot, etc. So to me, that would also be a fetish, right? Um, Jeffrey Dahmer would fall into this somewhere since he liked various body parts and not necessarily the ones that we associate with sex, like heads and skulls. Once again, Jerry Brudos would fit here as well, because not only was he aroused by shoes, which is not um, a body part, he also enjoyed the severed foot inside of a shoe. Next up is zoophilia which would be sexual arousal involving animals, which is too awful to think about, just like pedophilia. Next up is coprophilia, which is sexual arousal involving feces. And once again, Albert Fish, the werewolf of wisteria, had this paraphilia. Clismophilia. 
This is sexual arousal involving enemas. I haven't covered this guy, but I did find out about him. Michael Kenyon, a.k.a. the Illinois Enema Bandit, went on a decade-long spree of robberies of women. Some of them he would sexually assault by giving them enemas. To be honest, I'm not sure if the definition of this clismophilia, which I read, which was simply sexual arousal involving enemas, means the person is aroused by getting the enemas or giving them. Next is urophilia, which is sexual arousal involving urine. And again, Albert Fish had this one as well. Now we come to asphyxiophilia or hypoxiphilia. This is arousal from restricting oxygen to the brain, also known as autoerotic asphyxia. Think Herbert Baumeister from episode one of Crime Biscuit. He enjoyed being strangled to get pleasure, and he also liked to dole it out as well. Unfortunately, Herb usually ended up killing when he was the one doing the strangling. I also believe that BTK, the icky, nasty Dennis Rader, liked to strangle himself. And last is video voyeurism, which is arousal from recording someone in a private area without them knowing it or consenting to it. Obviously, I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so I am quite sure there are little nuances that differentiate these disorders. The real question is, why did I even bring any of this up? Well, if you noticed, I tried to mention some of the people we've encountered on Crime Biscuit that suffer from these various disorders. I've mentioned a couple I haven't covered, like Brudos, um, who I fully intend to. I probably will not cover the Enema Bandit. That just seems nasty. I think that you should note that this is episode 40. And with the exception of being into animals, enemas, and voyeurism, we have seen almost all of them, which I find kind of sobering. Especially when considering Albert Fish suffered from a lot of them, including pedophilia and cannibalism, which is not really listed as its own paraphilia, but sort of a subset of necrophilia. So maybe in the end, the point of this episode was to show that a lot of the worst of the worst suffer from one, if not multiple, paraphilic disorders. Also, as I was looking into it, I found it often said that most people suffering from these will not openly admit it, not even to a therapist, so they are hard to diagnose, let alone treat. If these disorders were more understood, there is always the possibility it would be easier to intervene and maybe treat those suffering before they got over the proverbial deep end and harm or kill someone else. It's just a thought. For this episode, a lot of the information on the disorders themselves were obtained from the American Psychological Association and Medscape. Hang tight for the final crumb. In the meantime, you know where to find me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Mars and Jupiter, at Crime Biscuit, or you can pop me an email at acrimebiscuit at gmail.com. Here's your final crumb. If you have a little kink, you like shoes, you like to be tied up, or you like to do some spanking, as long as your partner's willing, have at it. But if you have any of these issues and you think you might hurt someone else or even yourself, please get some help. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.